Hey everybody, my name is Alex. Welcome back to Gray Area, and we're here today with the man, the myth, the legend, Odd Mob. How's it going, buddy? How you doing? Hey Alex, I'm ve I'm very good. How are you? <laughs> I'm fucking fantastic. <laughs> After some technical difficulties on both sides, I'm glad that we are on and we're moving. That's right. It wouldn't be the same if I was just a black screen. No, no, it wouldn't. I like seeing people's faces. And, yeah. you know, it kind of brings me back to the pandemic days when this is the only way anybody could communicate. Oh. Sure. Well, I always like to start things off by taking a step back in an artist's career and talking about what formed a musical DNA. And the best way to do that is to find out what were, what were your parents listening to and how did they uh, kind of influence your, your music? Or influence you early on in life? Um, I wouldn't say my parents were like gigantic music people. Mm. Um, my dad listened to, to like a little bit of Kansas. My mom played the piano, which was kind of cool, but she didn't really play play too much in like in my teenage years. So I don't know. I don't think I really got a whole lot of influence from them. Like even all the older stuff I like is like not really on the same wavelength to what they liked. Like, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember listening to any of that when I was growing up, so go figure. <laughs> so where did your, where did your, like, your proclivity for music come from then? Um, so my first ever job. Yeah. Like, because I was really, I was, like, super lazy in high school. Um, my mum ran a talent competition at the school. And she was like, Harry, you should be the MC. And I was like, okay, I guess like I'm, I was the type of child to like never say no to my mom for fear of getting smacked. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. Um, and yeah, basically like young, I think I might've been like 15 or something at the time, like was the adjudicator and like judge or not judge, like the host of this talent competition. Um, and one of the judges was a guy who owned a mobile DJ business. And he was like, hey, young sport, you you can talk in a microphone. Do you want to join my mobile DJ service and go and play <laughs> at weddings and stuff like that? So he hooked me up with two DVD players and a big <laughs> desk and just like a bunch of CDs <laughs> and just, just like sent me in the deep end and I like... I um one of the first things I ever played was like a 16th birthday party or something and like everyone was making requests I'm like I only have these CDs and it's like full of old people music um <laughs> which was awesome uh and then from there I was like fuck it all right I need to I need to get like a laptop so I can play people's requests and blah 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 so we, before you knew it I had like a controller and a and a um a control controller and a laptop and I was like the I was like the hottest thing in the, on the south side of Brisbane, amongst the amongst the sixteen year olds. Would <laughs> be one of the most unique ways somebody's gotten into DJing that I've heard. Yeah, and um, and then from well, there, this like re really weird, like probably like mid thirties guy recruited mm -hmm. myself and a bunch of other people to promote these underage DJ events, and I was like, "This is my chance. This is my shot." So. We didn't realize at the time that basically he was using us to like drive around and drop off hard copy tickets and like 
<laughs> essentially promote this show for free, like all this free labor. Um, and yeah, so played like these underage raves and then met the person I used to uh, DJ with in Odd Mom back in the day through that. Right. So yeah, I don't know. You just start, you start DJing and then I'm like, oh, I need to make a mashup. Like I should try to make a mashup. And then I make a mashup. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should try and make a song. So I try to make a song and it sounds terrible. And then, <laughs> like, the second or third song I made, like, got signed, who's by my now manager. Well, so that that was, yeah, it just kind of happened. Well, let's, let's <laughs> talk about that because it, it sounds like you're saying a bunch of stuff just happened to you, but you had to have had some, some hand in all that. You said the third or fourth song that you made got signed. I think it might have actually been my second ever original. Yeah, I basically just copied GTA or something. I've told them this as well. I was like, this is back during the big room days. So, like, you could literally just slap a gigantic kick with anything on the top and it would sound all right. So, if you you look up Odd Mob the Tribe, pretty sure it's still on YouTube. Bit of a banger. Um, Yeah got signed like that and um i don't i don't even know we had like some weird um guy who ran events on the sunny coast which is like two hours north of where i live yeah um who was managing us for a bit and somehow he sent the track that i made to this small label here called central station and it got signed i was like what is going on let's be let's be clear here central station is not technically a small label i mean they they do pretty well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, they're actually quite a big label, but like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I say that because when you, when you, when you like, uh, go and visit the office, it's like a handful of people. Like in your mind, you picture a label, you're like, it must be, there must be like 50 people, like people, there's like assistants with, with documents and stuff walking around, like signing all the music and doing all this guys. There's usually just a really small team of people just vibing. <laughs> Just just a bunch of guys in, in, in the back office somewhere. Yeah, like literally um, Central Station is in the same like little offices sweated out and like a few other like little imprints and it's literally just in like the back corner room of this huge office building where a bunch of other like touring and stuff happens and I think last time I went there there was maybe like six people in the office I'm like wow, like this is this is like a good portion of Australian dance music all just in this tiny little, like, little office room. Um, That's wild to think that so much of, like, of of the scene in Australia is operating on such a tiny, on a tiny imprint. Um, yeah. Can you talk about, I know Odd Bob used to be, used to be two people. How did you meet your old partner? And then how did that progress into you eventually just branching out on your own? Um. So basically, um, Robbie, the other guy who was in Odd Mob, uh, we were both playing those underage raves. Mm-hmm. Um, I would play on my APC forty <laughs> and tractor. Which why was I DJing on an APC forty? Um, that sounds needlessly complicated, but sure, it's why not? stupid. Um, yeah, so I was <laughs> DJing on APC forty. Robbie had a controller, but he also had CDJs. Like, so he was like, because he was basically like the the hot kid on the north side of Brisbane, but he was making bank. So he, he like bought some CDJs. And um, basically, like, we both started to to realize that we wanted to, like, become DJs, like, bigger DJs. So we wanted to enter a um, 
a competition to play at a nightclub. Mm-hmm. And basically this competition, we both tried to enter last minute. And the guy's like, I've only got one spot, so you can enter as a duo. But I'm literally making the poster right now, so you need to like have a duo name. So we were like, oh, like start panicking. We were like using random name generators. Like, we <laughs> so we came up with like Odd Squad, and then we googled that, and it was like some. I don't even. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, Odd Squad was t- taken, so we're like, okay, Odd Mob, and nothing really popped up. So that was that. <laughs> Everything in your career is is like this this random thing that just happens to happen and it all just happens to work out like Pre- how do you explain always being yeah. in the right place at the right time yeah, i i mean pretty much i mean that's how i make music as well like i just do random stuff and then eventually something cool happens i'm like nice like that's that's sick like thank you thank you um <laughs> dice lords up in the sky who are just rolling good numbers for me um but yeah we were we were duo for for a while um, we had like a viral track in Australia called Is It A Banger, which was um, just based off Aziz Ansari in, in Parks and Recreation. And then like before you knew it, we were touring with like two tracks, um, just playing at like pubs and stuff like that around the country. Like just, but it was it was a good time. And um, yeah, I just like got better and better at production and Rob was like always more focused on like the DJ side. Yeah. And then eventually it was like, well, now our whole our whole project has revolved around the production. So like, um, and I mean, like every duo probably goes through this problem. Like, it's really expensive to be in a duo. Like, flying two people is much more expensive than flying one person. Out. Yeah, like fly, double flights and like you know splitting the money. Like even like even these days, I think like with my current income far out it'd be rough trying to tour with two people like even playing like pretty decent shows like it'd be anyway so i was like you know i'd already done a degree at this point and robbie had and i was i was like genuinely anxious about the future i was like well god what happens like what happens in like two or three years time when i'm like mid-20s and doing super well for himself has like yeah has a lovely life (laughs) so (laughs) Anyway, that's a bit of the back. That's a bit of the backstory. He's a, yeah. Well, He's, I love that it ended like it ended on good terms, and both of you guys have like gone on to do the things that you that you like to do, um, and you got to take the name that you found you you didn't find on the internet, and like build a career off that. That's right. I mean, it's the worst possible name in hindsight <laughs> for one guy. Like, it just makes no sense. But because you're the mob. There's, it's, there's just, it's just yeah, you. that's right. It's easy, but at the end of the day, it's relatively easy to say and easy to spell. Although for some reason, people like promoters and stuff will randomly put an extra B on the end, and I feel like that's like a mob. Is, does Mob Deep have an extra B? Mob yeah, have an dude. Extra B. All right, right, Mob Deep. Mob Deep literally screwed me over so hard. Like everyone's just at throwing extra Bs around. Like it's it's free free real estate. I've been looking at your name for the longest time. I saw, I, I'm, I saw your name pop up in promos. I want to say, and I may be wrong, like around 2017? Um, was Something maybe like that. I, and I, even though I've, for quite for like a really, really long time. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See? This is, this is the good stuff. Imagine a face to a name. And I want to... That's right. 
I want to talk about like, so I wanted to, I, the first time I recognized your music, it was like, I want to say it was right around the time when like bass house and tech house were kind of starting to like meld into the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you had this, and I say this with the most love, you had this wonderfully weird sound that I could not match up with anybody else in the scene. And where, where did that come from? Is this, do you, have you always just kind of thrown a bunch of shit in the blender and, and it, and it just works out like you're um, it's so, it's so singular what you do. And I want to find out like, how did that happen? I think, I, I think the, the reason my stuff usually sounds a bit different is because like, I didn't really watch that many sound design over that is just like blatantly terrible. Um, <laughs> And, like, I don't know. It's a a strange question. Um, Like, there was a period where I just, like, somebody told me that you can FM samples. Like, you can run FM in samples in Ableton. Yeah. And then, so, for just for ages, I was just getting random samples and just FMing them. And it it would sound just really, really weird. So, um that kind of helped a lot but throughout the years I've done like heaps of different genres so I mean yeah. I, I guess a lot of people have but like in the early days I was making heaps of trap big room future house future bass like even like drum and bass like but early on in the days so maybe that's helped a bit with like defining my own sound but I think more than anything I'm like hyper aware of the meta so mm. I've always like been a fan of like crate digging and like just really scoping out like what everybody absolutely everybody else is doing so i like i'm constantly like all right that that sounds generic like i everything i do i'm like that sounds generic that sounds generic like i can't do that so maybe that's maybe that's why but i think a lot of it is seriously just like experimenting and just dumb luck with doing strange things and it just sounds sick fucking well said do you do you think that like that act of um actively like looking at what everybody else is doing and kind of swerving left of that um is like really important is it a really important facet to like what you do um i i mean it's kind of like a moral thing for me like i think we are so spoiled these days. A lot mm. of us producers, we're so spoiled because we have access to like, we have access to so much. Like this, the concept of splice is like insane to me that oh, we have absolutely. just, we have just like millions of samples and all this and all that. And then somehow like, you'll just pop into your promos and just hear so much stuff that just sounds so derivative. And, mm. um, like it's scary sometimes. I'm like, I wanna, I wanna try to give back in some way, and I think the only way that I know how is to just do some really weird stuff, even if it sounds kind of bad or like, yeah, it's 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 a real moral point for me to try and do something different every time, um, just because like I feel, I feel like we have to like. Uh, okay. Our production ancestors, so to speak, would be like, you're so fucking lucky. Like, I can't imagine, like, what producers back in the early days who were experimenting would think if they could, like, 
travel forward in time and just see this like plethora of stuff and then also see the same people who are like making tutorial house <laughs> like well, it's, it's bizarre because we're we're spoiled by choice right and you would think being spoiled by choice would make things infinitely more creative and yeah i mean don't get me just made things like fall further into these really straight lanes it's bizarre that that even spoiled by choice we don't choose to be like oh let me I, yeah i have 10 million sounds on splice let's see how i can mangle all of these sounds into something completely different yeah i mean don't get me wrong like there's a there's a plethora of amazing music out there like uh, just so much and hmm. um I think the main challenge right now is finding stuff that is unique and also playable because, like, I'll agree, like, a lot of the more cookie-cutter stuff, it does bang and it does, like, fit into a set, like, relatively easy. So, I feel like someone once, one of my um, friends who works in rap production, like, makes rap beats, told me that, like, because we were talking about drill, like, ages ago and we're like, this is so sick, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, when do you think, like, this is going to, like start when do you think we're going to start hearing like drake or like these bigger rappers on the drill beat and he's like honestly man like it moves in like smaller increments than you'd think yeah like, maybe the sound has existed for so long but you got to like take the steps or like or it takes like a really prolific person to just be like boom like this is the new meta yeah and i, I feel like the same thing is kind of true for dance music like you you can't you can't fully just change things all in one go, but you can kind of find something that's in the middle ground each time. So that's that's kind of what I've been focusing on more now is like finding something that's unique but also could fit into a set because there's no point making something crazy if like none of the other DJs are going to play it because then you're going to... All I'm going to do is reach my own audience. Um <laughs> Which, you know, sadly, I don't have a million followers on Instagram just yet. But, um, yeah, try to push it. Like, I'm trying to push it just like a little bit at a time. So, you know, maybe someone will just throw it in and be like, oh, that's like sounds like, to be honest. But, hey, there's probably something in there. <laughs> it's it's probably, If you put a big room drum under it, it would probably work. It actually would. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm p- trying to picture what that would sound like. It, yeah, it would go hard. I'm going to try that after this interview. (laughs) So I want to talk about, since we're talking about, you know, kind of bridging the gap between what people are used to hearing and what could be, I want to talk about left to right because it Mm -hmm. kind of does that. Um, And I want to talk about the fact that you use kind of a a sample, the vocal sample that that everybody kind of knows. Um, And I didn't even realize that that was the sample until somebody brought it to my attention. Can you talk yeah. about like the process of making <laughs> that song and like also the process of getting it cleared to be released? Because I imagine that was probably a real difficult process. Yep. Um, so basically, I was streaming on Twitch, which I do very sporadically, and um, we were just chatting about Surprise House, is what I want to call it. Like, I noticed there was a trend in like t- some of the shows that I've been to where these. DJs will play these songs with like the craziest build-ups ever. Like it just goes for way too long. And right. You kind of you just like get a bit lost in the source because you're like, what's going on? Like you, people like put their hands up and then they just like put them down. They're like, this is taking too long. And then <laughs> it fin- the drop like finally happens and you're like, holy crap, like this is, this is wild. 
Um, and I was like, all right, let's just try and do it. And I have a bunch of like acapellas on my computer. And I think one of the first ones I dragged in was Soldier Boy. And like at the very start, he just says three times from left to right. Um, and I was like, cool, let's try that. <laughs> and then we just looped it forever. And like we were just kind of taking the piss, I guess. Um, and it worked out. <laughs> um, in terms of clearing it though, it actually wasn't too difficult. Um, I, I don't know exactly how this all works, but there's a difference between using the original like audio file in a track versus like a reproduced version of it because it has something to do with like the people who are writing the track and the person who's performing it so to speak it goes from so, if you re-sing it or if you reinterpret it it goes from having to clear it through the label to having to clear it through the publishing and publishing is a lot easier to clear than than having to clear it through the label there's yeah it's far far easier to pay people that way yeah so basically like we went back and they were like look if you want to have soldier boy actually on the track they like put down this figure and i was like i can't like this is just too much um for a club track so um <laughs> We got a company to like kind of redo it. It's kind, it's it's a bit different. It doesn't have exactly the same source that I liked about it, but um, yeah, put the new vocals in. Um, all the publishing, everything got cleared, like lickety split, which is cool. Oh, that's so fantastic! I love to hear that. So, yeah. be honest do you do you still play the original version with his voice on it, or or do you play the the new version? Um, I, I kind of I've jumped between the two sometimes. Um, I like the old bootleg version for sure. Um, it just has a different flavor, and also because like people, it doesn't exist on the internet anymore. The OG version, so it still feels like a little bit more of a uh, like a little gem to play the the old version with the old vocals. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know. Like it's mixed way worse than the new version, but. Yeah. Well, um, having said that, what is, you know, that was like a big tune for you. So what's next? Um, man, I've been having a really good run with writing lately. So, um, and next, next month, is it? We're in June. Yeah. In about a yeah. month's time, I got an EP coming out. Um, so I just released Ecstasy, which was like kind of like a weird 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 club banger thing and um basically following on from that i've got three other just club tunes like ranging from like 132 to 140 bpm whoa um I, yeah i have been getting around the fast stuff a lot lately only because like a lot of americans don't know this but the meta in australia right now is just f like fast music like particularly in melbourne and places like that, like you'll rock up and the opener will be playing like 138, 140 BPM TikTok remixes. Like like techno and like techno adjacent stuff is just yeah. super popular right now. Like it, it's changed so much. Um, like it, even in Sydney, right? Like so Sydney kind of died off a bit during COVID and like with their lockout laws and stuff. And one of the yeah. most popular events is Ivy Sundays. And it's like Ivy Sundays is generally like, like 
more underground kind of cuts, but a lot of it's just really fast. So um, I kind of wanted to, to get in on the action a little bit and, you know, experiment with a, experiment with a bit more kind of speedy stuff. Um, I mean, I, there are a lot of artists in the, in the States now who are kind of like, fi- they're bridging that like middle gap. It's not like, what's it called? It's not like a speed house, so to speak. It's kind of got a little bit more like underground garagey kind of flavor, I suppose. Like it's a bit less clean, the kind, the kind of style that we're seeing a lot here. But anyway, yeah. um, it's been fun to just do something a little bit less... T- tech housey on this ep so that's that should be fun um and then yeah i've got a a bunch of tunes with omnom coming out later this year um he's so dope yeah so we we the last like six week tour i did in the states i stayed um at cody omnom's house on an air mattress and pretty much every other day when we, we neither of us were playing shows we would just go to his studio and just like channel our inner anti up basically just like so weird makes weird stuff weird analog like filthy stuff um yeah one of the ids has been doing the rounds lately actually so trying to move that forward to a a, a reasonable release timeline um don't want to don't want to sit on that one for too long but we'll see my yeah but in terms of things coming out, my release, my this is the first time in my whole life where my release schedule is actually like full to the end of the year. Like people have remix requests and things like that, and I'm like, well, I don't know when we're gonna fit it in. So yeah, it's exciting. That must, feel, that must feel pretty cool. You've been doing this for a while now, and like you're at a point where you've produced enough music to take you into a whole another year, and now you can yeah. kind of pick and choose what you want to do. Pretty much, like, man, I wrote a whole album just before COVID and, like, never released it, so, like, that's a whole other bunch of stuff that, like, I know there's, there might be, like, one or two people who watch this who were probably fiending for a couple of the IDs from that, um, so, yeah, hopefully trying to do another EP later in the year with a few of the tracks from there and maybe some, like, newer melodic stuff, um, so, yeah, I don't know, we'll see, I'm just trying to do... I'm trying to do absolutely anything I want and hopefully the people get around it. Yeah. And I'm sure they will. Well, I want to say, you know, like, it's funny you mentioned that because I find myself getting to this conversation with a lot of a lot of artists. This whole idea that post-COVID, dance floors are far more ready to let, be open to letting an artist step outside the box and kind of do whatever. Like, people aren't super, aren't super fixed on this idea that you have to, if you're a house artist, you have to play a house set all the time or you're a techno artist. You have to do that. Um, do you feel like you're, you're in a, like a freer space now to do whatever the fuck you want? Um, in the States, definitely like all the shows that have been playing there recently, like people haven't really switched off at any point. Like if anything, you play a whole set full of, techie stuff and then start playing a bit of drum and bass and everyone just goes bananas so it's like true um i i i I wish i knew why like what the particular catalyst is like i'm gonna say maybe a lot of the boiler rooms like maybe people started exploring more of that kind of culture but or maybe it's just because tiktok is like full of just an eclectic mix of just random stuff like 
one second they'll be something like pretty slow and vibey like a chill like that or something like that and then the next thing that's popping off is like just da- like a dance and sped up version like I don't know <laughs> I don't know what it is but uh, or maybe it's just because people are like a little bit more hyperactive these days and they actually like the idea of things changing I, anyway I like I'm it all, either way I'm all for it like I yeah. love that shit. I mean, I, I love going out to a night and seeing people do do all of the things in an hour or two. And yeah. it's also nice hearing people not just do commercial tech house, you know, throw a little drum and bass in there. Or apparently what, 140 techno at 9, 9 p.m. I'm down for that, too. Yeah. And I mean, maybe people are just getting, like, teched out because, like, usually, like, genres seem to like come and go in waves and i feel like this particular like moment in the like tech house genre has been here for quite a while like because it kind of started pre-covid so that kind of that extended i feel like that maybe extended that period out longer than it would have naturally um if dance floors were still open so maybe that's why everything's changing so quick because like like People who were freshly eighteen, like I, we can, uh, we can go out to venues when we're eighteen here. I think it's twenty-one in the states. Um, but yeah, most of them. You know, I talked to a lot of them, and like they're not, like apart from Fisher, they're not really like cranking anything like that. They're cranking like, yeah, hectic techno, like speedy, like even, even um, oh, there's this one artist, and they're basically just making like old prog house like it's all just like saw plucks with like little um init preset leads like something you would have heard in like the early 2000s like when and people like wow this sounds so fresh like so sick i'm like wait what like wait you you don't know you don't know that that is like the like the first beat that you make when you learn how to use um like massive or something like (laughs) They don't know. They just think it sounds the initial, cool. The initial sound on, on top of a beat. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't know. We're in a really interesting time. And I think it's it's going to be just, like, adapt or die. Just everyone needs to... All the artists out there just need to be, like, super open-minded um, and just let their creative juices sh- flow. Let your let your inner weirdo shine because, like, now now's the time to just do something something different i reckon yes well said let your inner weirdos shine yeah it's that, i always like to like close things of this part of the interview on what excites you about the future of dance music oh and what excites me about the future um it's like excites me and also terrifies me but like the, you know all this kind of ai stuff that's coming out some of these plugins I recently downloaded. This is a free plugin, by the way, guys, from Google. Yes. Like, Google made a VST. What? Um, yeah, it's called Timber Transfer. And uh, basically, like, you can... It's got some presets, um, but basically you can take a sound and make it sound like another instrument. Um, I think some of the presets are, like, flute and um, trumpet, stuff like that, voices, um, but you can train your own model on it. I haven't gotten around to doing it, and I really want to at some point. But stuff like that, all this kind of AI, AI stuff, it's it's going to be really interesting. And I feel like, if anything, it, 
it pushes the thought more so that you need to like access what's unique to you because yeah. like the further you go down the cookie cutter realm AI is probably going to get closer to what you're doing than <laughs> than, you, than you than you'd like so yeah just I mean, yeah did, I'm I'm super excited like even VR like I saw that new Apple headset and immediately I'm like like what's the future going to look like for working in the studio without a mouse or like what's oh my god that would be fantastic like I, imagine i'm just like actually just standing in the middle of my lounge room in the future and all i'm using is like hand gestures to like navigate my door which like wraps around my head or um you know there's like a floating set of drums i, d I don't need to buy a midi drum kit or anything and it's just going to be like laser accurate somehow like that sounds kind of cool to that me so pretty cool yeah i mean it could be dystopian. It could be bad, but it could also be really, really awesome. So I'm, I'm gonna try and sit on the side of cautious optimism. Yeah. Um, and we know, if anything, if it all sounds really bad, we c people always seem to be go back to their roots of like underground, like off the grid events, things like that. So I feel like COVID's really shown us that the future will always have a space for music it'll just like it always adapts in different ways and yeah oh just man some of these like young producers are cr absolutely cracked off their heads like there's that little young dude who makes like Ketronada beats or something that oh. I've seen he's like 11 oh. I'm like the little kid on, on TikTok right that's yeah. like talking to himself while he's making the beat that kid is in it's insane. Yeah, he's like, that's how you get the Keytronada sound. I'm like, damn, bro. Like, I just learned something from you today. Like, I know, right? He's like, oh man, I need, I need some, I need some ARPs right now. That snare doesn't sound snappy enough. I'm like, you're 11. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, you, I just know we're gonna get some serious musical prodigies in the next, like, production prodigies, which I feel like maybe we couldn't have had before because, like, being a producer wasn't so easily accessible and mainstream like when i was six six to ten years old i'm sure like being a producer would have been a lot harder than it is like getting started would have been a lot harder than it is now well so, just the barrier to entry back then i mean even when i was like that young to buy equipment was hundreds or thousands of dollars and now all you need is you don't even need a good laptop that's right the you, ipad kids can start producing yeah they can with, just they can jump from watching Teletubbies or something to, to Logic. Like, just get in the stew. And they're better at it than we were. I, that's right. That's right. I'm, I'm excited. Anyway, you know, it's... Yeah. All right, so we're going to do... Get into the speed round now. Are you ready? All right, hopefully the... Uh, my crappy Aussie internet doesn't make it look like I'm too much of a boomer here. So, let's see. Even if it does, it's part of the fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, favorite old school video game? Old school video game? Crash Bandicoot. Oh, well done. Would you rather swim in a pool full of Nutella or a pool full of maple syrup? Nutella. What was your first thought this morning? Interview. Vegemite, yes or no? Yes. Would you rather never hear your favorite song again or be forced to play your least favorite song in every set forever? Get rid of the favorite. All right. Would you rather only be able to whisper or only be able to shout? Shout. 
Favorite food to eat on tour? Ramen. Oh, nice. Biggie or Tupac? <laughs> Biggie. If I looked at your recently played tunes on Spotify, what would you be? Wa- what would you want to hide? Oh. <laughs> uh. Boogie Wonderland. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Why would I want to hide that? I don't know. This is a good question. I don't, I don't know. After you say it, you're like, you know what? Fuck that. I don't really want to hide anything. If that's I right. To, if I listen to shitty music. That's fine. <laughs> Would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every single song you hear for the rest of your life? Oh, dance. Definitely dance. Nice. Would you, what sound or noise do you love? Nice. <laughs> Just a, a straight sound. soul. Yes. Would you rather only be able to talk like Yoda or breathe like Darth Vader? Breathe like Darth Vader. <laughs> um, if you could pick any era of history to live in, when would you pick? Oh, the early, uh, the like... 80s yes good time yeah what's worse random people you haven't spoken to in years hitting you up for guest list or a hangnail uh the guest list (laughs) and finish this sentence house music is awesome yeah it is damn right it is (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me um really appreciate it and uh definitely looking forward to the new music and next time you're in san francisco hit me up thanks for having me bro and yeah let's do it all right let's do it well thank you again man all right thank you it's been a lot of fun it's a good interview i appreciate that thank you